Welcome in. It's the VCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined as always during basketball season by my main man, the director of basketball content at BearcatJournal.com and host of the Bearcat Grind radio show, Justin Berg. Justin, we have talked, yes, sir. We have talked approximately 14 times since Sunday. <laughs> we, have, we have hashed out a lot of different things. As the Bearcats are on a two-game losing streak and unfortunately are in the position we didn't think that they would be in, which is in trouble in terms of winning the outright American Athletic Conference Championship after losses at Houston and at home to Wichita State. We're going to have fun. Yeah. This is going to be fun. It, yeah. it, might, it might get heated, but... Uh, as 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 most know, I'm I am on one side of of this debate, um, in terms of where the and I don't want to say where the responsibility completely lies because there's a million different places that that you can go to for where the responsibility lies. I just think there are some misconceptions that are are, are things that come up every time this team loses a game that people want to go back to the to 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 basic talking points that I don't necessarily know that with this team are true. So we are going to hash these things out because uh, while Berg and I agree on some things, there are things that we disagree on. And and well, first off, if you would like to monetize this podcast, you can do that with snips media. Justin, tell them how that's true. (laughs) Segue baby. Yeah, thank you. You got to go to sni.ps. That's the first place you got to do. You got to go. And you will find the most powerful social monetization platform connecting brands and social influencers. So you go there, you sign up. It's free. So I think you can afford that. Doesn't take very long. They have a couple tutorials. Check them out. And all you got to do is instead of posting on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter, you go to Snips to post it. And then you can pick some items that are relatable to whatever you're posting. Bearcat gear. And yeah. I mean, you, there's plenty of stuff. There's flags. There's all kinds of things. Basketball hoops, anything. And then if the person clicks on your thing and or your post and they decide that they might want to buy one of those or say they were thinking about it and they click through, buy it, you're going to get a cut. But beyond that, you're going to get a lot of good information as far as who is looking at your stuff and that can that can only help. So that is sni.ps. We appreciate them sponsoring the BCJ podcast and the scouting reports that I spend lots of time and enjoy doing. Except for the next one. Nobody enjoys scouting Connecticut. Well, that's why I'm glad it's a repeat game cuz it's not going to take as long. But I <laughs> But but let me let me also say this before we get started. I I want to thank everybody on the message board for the last couple of days because I think that um, now there's a lot of debate and everybody has their idea of, like I said in my post, I think it's it always comes back to needing to know we need a specific answer, just a human nature thing. But I just I I just want to give a shout out to everybody on the board because there's a lot of good stuff that gets raised on there. And there's a lot of things on there that I didn't consider. Uh, So I just want to thank everybody. It's 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 fun to get in those debates. Sometimes sometimes it's frustrating. I know from your end, it's probably more frustrating than fun. But uh, it's sports, so that's just the deal. <laughs> you are <laughs> so correct. thank you, everybody. Yeah. Um, all all right. right, let's go. How do you want? How do you want to do this? Uh, I'll start. I've got a couple things, and then when I'm done, you can start with your things, and I'll respond to your things. So you can respond to my my thoughts, and I'll respond to your thoughts when we're done. How does that sound? So 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 like a like a debate team type of deal. Kind of yes. Okay. Kind of. All right. Go right. ahead. What you what you got, Chad? Okay. So, first off, the the argument that that Mick slows everything down on the road, I will agree. He th- he feels that controlling a game, controlling the tempo of the game on the road, allows him a better opportunity to win against quality teams. I think what we have learned over the past two weeks, Houston is playing their best basketball right now. They are very much a quality team. I've seen them projected now as high as a six seed. So 
losing at Houston, not a big deal. I think both of us were very concerned going into that game uh, that that game was going to be a loss, and unfortunately it was. Um, in terms of slowing the pace down, that was a low, fairly low possession game. Do you remember exactly the possessions in that? I don't have it on the sheet that I'm looking at. I don't remember it, but I can click and get it right away. And it, uh, according to Ken Palm, 63 possessions. 62 points. So just at just one nick under a point per possession. And I will say 63 possessions is a bit is probably a little bit slower than I would like this, to see this team play. But on the road, we have known Mick is going to to try to grind you out. Correct. Right. Yes, that is correct. There's no disputing that. So if that is going to be the case. Guys need to make shots. Jacob Evans, one for four from three. Jaron Cumberland, two for six from three. Gary Clark and Kyle Washington, each 0 of one from three. Um, that's bad. They shot 26.7% from three against Houston in a game that was essentially a one-possession game at the very end. And, and Houston ended up pulling away a little bit with free throws. Um, but it, it, especially... In the critical segment of that game, UC is up 50-49. to 49. They give up an offensive rebound. Rob Gray hits a three to make it 52-50. to 50. Gary Clark goes to the free throw line, misses two free throws. They come down. Houston, again, misses, gets an offensive rebound. Ball goes to Armani Brooks. He hits a three. Then Jaron Cumberland dribbles off his foot. Houston gets a run, a run out. And all of a sudden, what was 50 to 49 becomes very quickly 50, what, 57 to 50. to 50. Yeah. So a couple breakdowns in that game were, would you agree, the difference in that game? At that point in the game, yeah. Well, I mean, you have, but, you have the game where you want it. You're winning by one on the road with five minutes left. Okay, well, that is one way to look at it. You could also look at it that UC was up nineteen to six in that game, or was it nineteen to eight? It was one of the two. I think they so, were down thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. So they took control. UC took control of the game early, and, and then, they then went cold. and then they went very cold because uh, I think it was. Uh, let's see, Houston cut it to twenty-seven to twenty-four at half, so an eighteen to eight run, and so that. The, the thinking would be if you're getting some points and you and you got a lead, I think what, what a lot of people would like to see, I'm not saying that we're going to see it, but that you would try to continue to attack and get that lead even higher. And we saw a lot of just getting it over half court and then trying to do some stuff. So I think that's where the, the problems would lie as far as what people have issues with. But – but I also think Houston did exactly what Cincinnati did in the game here. They got jumped early, and then they turned up the pressure on defense, turned up the intensity yeah. on defense. They yeah. took Cincinnati out of what they wanted to do and made Cincinnati very uncomfortable for the rest of that game. Right, and you're right. That's that's also valid. So there. So sometimes I think when 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 the, the point is made, why don't they do this on offense? Why don't they do that on offense? Sometimes it's because the other team is disrupting UC. And that was the case in the Houston game. Now, back to what you said about the idea of slowing the pace on the road. And I think that in past years, I can understand that because the team didn't quite have a lot of firepower on offense. So if so, the, the best bet is to keep the possessions down and give yourself a chance at the end, even if you're not shooting the ball well. So I think where where that becomes an issue this season is that it seems like UC has more firepower in offense and there are two small guards. I don't know if you want to call them point guards, but they play better at a uh, more of an attack faster pace in the half court. Sometimes it's, it's harder for them to be effective. So if you're going to go on the road, you're, you're either going to just, you're either going to attack and play to the offensive personnel you have, or you're going to say, I'd rather try to keep this game manageable and let's see if we can steal it at the end. So that is where I think there's a disconnect amongst the fan base. Okay. Can I counterpoint to that? Of course. Okay. 
Houston had, I believe, eight turnovers in the first half of that game. Eight or, actually, I think it might have been. I think they had nine turnovers in the first half of that game. When Cincinnati built that lead over the first 12 minutes of the first half, Houston turned it over eight times. When they were able to clamp down on Cincinnati, they only turned it over one time. So right. Houston was giving them opportunities to play in transition, which is what that is part of what helped them build the lead. Also going three of three from the three-point line helped them substantially in building that lead. So Houston Correct. turnovers coupled with being able to shoot the ball allowed Cincinnati to build the big lead. Houston stopped turning it over, one. Two, started making shots at a ridiculous clip from that point. Yeah, from that point to about from the last 10 minutes of the first half and the first 10 minutes of the second half. The first 10 minutes of the second half, they were 10 of 12 from the floor. That keeps Cincinnati out of transition. If you're not turning it over and you're not missing shots, it is very hard to just run the ball up the floor into five guys standing back. Now, I get the idea of pace, getting it across the half-court line a little bit faster, getting into your offense a little bit faster. I get the idea of that. But that doesn't necessarily change that you're going to get a good shot before six seconds left in the shot clock when a team is defending like Houston defended over that final 28 minutes. That's correct. So I think it's easy to look at the first 12 minutes of that and, and it's amazing, and, and we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet because we haven't done one since this game happened. It is amazing how mirror image those two games were. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because three it, point, yeah. It was the same thing. Cincinnati came out and turned it over a ton in the first 12 minutes of that game. Houston made a ton of big shots in the first 12 minutes of that game that was in Cincinnati. They built up that 18-point lead. Then Cincinnati stopped turning the ball over, started getting stops kept Houston from playing faster. And when they did that, they were able to clamp down. They completely locked Houston down, and it was a 28-point swing. So that part, that's neither here nor there in this debate. But it it blew my mind watching that unfold, how identical those two games were with the home team being the team that came out on top both times. Right, right. And so, yeah, and so so I I think I will concede that – portion of the debate to you because of the the specifics with the turnovers and the pace that that comes from the from the other team turning it over and meanwhile when Houston scores you, it's it's hard to get any kind of pace yeah, from that don't let a team now, go 10 of 12 from the floor right. to start the second half how about that right yeah that's that that definitely helped that would definitely help now that now what it what it may also say is that people have underestimated how good this Houston team is. I agree. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's cause for concern because Cincinnati lost a road game to Houston. This is not the same Houston team of the last three years. This is a Houston team that is in the top 10 in the nation out of 351 teams in home points per possession and 12th and three point percentage. That is a, that is a very difficult combination to handle when you're the road team. And that's why nobody has beaten, beaten them down there. Right. In fact, Nobody really, other than Temple, has come close. And Temple had to make a late rally to get that game close. Wichita okay. State lost by 14 down there. Yeah, and UC lost so, by five. And, it, it, wasn't, right. it, it was close. Yeah, it was, it, like you said, it was a one-point game late in the game. What, what the difference was is that in the game at BB&T Arena, Cincinnati made more plays down the stretch, made more shots, or got to the foul line, whatever you want to say. And Houston made their plays when they were at home. So maybe it just means that Houston's better than people thought. Cincinnati may not be quite a top five team. I think that's fair to say. I think still uh, very fair to say a top ten to yeah. fifteen team that right 10, now, yeah, right, had a little bump in the road. Yeah, um, one because I, I I just don't think they're shooting well. I think well, we'll get to the we'll get to the yeah. that that well, that cover comes in the next topic. Right, but I, I will just say this, and this is something that I just found right before I was eating dinner uh, about forty five minutes ago, and I was looking this up. Because I was looking at synergy, and I was looking at the, uh, you know, of course UC's offense, because that's what the big debate's about. And the reason why I don't think Cincinnati's a top five team, and and they're they may be a fringe top fifteen at the be- somewhere in that ten to fifteen, but maybe closer to fifteen, is because they are 
currently in the half court, 150th in the country in points per possession. That's not adjusted. That means that that includes all the games against the bad teams, 150th. And just to put that into context, um, Villanova's number one. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Right. Xavier, right. Z- Xavier 15th, Wichita 20th, UCLA 50th, <laughs> Florida 89th, Houston 104th, 104. Um, there are o- there's a handful of teams that are below UC that have that, that are probably going to be in the tournament. Uh, Miami of Florida 166, UK 177, Bama 242, Texas A&M 263. So that means that if you look at the top 24, maybe I guess the top six seeds, um, Cincinnati, there, there, that means there's like 20 teams ahead of UC in half court execution as far as points per possession. So that is a major concern. Yeah. And we, we can, I mean that, I mean, there's just no way to, to get around that. And so it now again, Houston, their defense legitimately would, would explain why UC had trouble and they were under a point per possession at home. Um, you know, or on the road, I'm sorry, Cincinnati, but just, so that's just something that is, and I'm, and I'm sure that that would open up a gigantic discussion on the message board as to why that is. Yes. But I just wanted to point that out because that is is legit, legitimately scary statistic because in a tournament and, and on the road and against these good teams in the last five minutes of a game, you're not getting a lot of runouts. You're not getting a lot of these teams that by then they're not turning the ball over. Like you have to execute in the half court to win these games. And if you look at their four losses, there's a lot of that, a lot of struggling to do that in the important parts of the game. Absolutely. And I would, I would 100% agree with you. Execution in the half court is this team's biggest concern on offense. Half court offense execution is this team's overall biggest concern. Correct. I think a lot of that comes down to guys need to do a better job, especially the players at the top of the roster in these bigger type games need to do a better job making shots, shots that are there for them to make. You know, we, we talk about um, in the tournament, an elite defense is a bit susceptible to, because the other team has really good players, and those players are not only going to make open shots, but they're going to make contested shots, correct? Yes. Landry Shamit is going to make contested shots on you. Well, right. guess what? UC's guys aren't making the open shots, nor are they making the contested shots. Yeah, because, and we can get into the Wichita State game here let's, now. But, yeah, let's get to that but if you But if you think about the fact that UC was 7 for 23 from 3 in that game, Wichita State is a horrible perimeter defensive team. They were, they wanted UC to take those every one of those shots. They were like, "Take it! I don't care who you are. I want you to take this shot." And so they were basically just like like horse shots, right? In like, a way, like and like, they and they and and you can't even and you so if, so you can't make thirty percent. Is that coaching? I think that that's where you would go to the argument of it's some of it. You know, a, definitely a decent portion of it falls on the players to just. To put it in the hole when they're just letting you shoot it. Right, and that was my my when we have been talking about this. That was my 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 talking point to you on this subject is if if you it would be one thing if they were forcing bad threes. There's there's nobody that wants this team to take less threes more than you. <laughs> nobody on the planet wants this team to shoot less threes more than you. If they were taking bad threes, you would have looked at me on every one of the ones that were susceptible and just shook your head. And you would yeah. have, you would have cited the number of free throws they had taken to that point to the number of threes that they had taken to that point, like you have done all year. Which I I don't disagree with your point. I think you've had a good point throughout the season on that topic. But that right. didn't happen. There wasn't bad threes taken. They were good threes that were taken. And Cumberland yeah. goes three of ten. Evans goes one of four. Clark, one of four. The only guy that showed any life from out there, Kane Broom, two of three. Uh, Trevor Moore has completely lost his mojo. The game is going entirely too fast for him right now. He can barely hit the rim. And well, he it, also... Sorry. I'm just going to say, just to, in his defense, when you when you play so sporadically, it's hard to be in a rhythm. I mean, just come, it's like... Yeah. If you haven't, it's like if you haven't gotten in at bat in three weeks, and they bring you in, you got to face Rysel Iglesias. Like it's, you're going to struggle to to make contact. But 
but go ahead. But but Wichita State, Landry Shamit, three of six. Austin Reeves, two of five. Zach Brown, I, he was a killer because those are two that the two that yeah. he made. Those are two that you don't expect them to get. And then McDuffie, one of two. They they hit fifty five percent in the first half and forty four percent for the game. Their guys made the shots. Some of them were open. Some of them were contested. Whatever the case, forty four percent to to thirty point four percent. 44.4 to 30.4. 14% higher in three-point shooting in a four-point game. Yeah. And so, 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 yeah, two close losses and your 29% total from three in the, in the in combined in the two games. And, and that was a 70-plus possession game. Where Where is this slowdown everybody is talking about? Just because you see one or two, or the, you know, a handful of possessions – that that aren't sprinted up and down the floor doesn't mean they're playing slow. A seventy-plus possession game is a good pace game. You're our metrics guy. Am I wrong there? No. And you know what I noticed when I was looking at the box score, because I think there was a lot of talk about uh, the half-court offense and not getting, you know, not doing sp- certain things to get better looks and things like that. Well, UC was eighteen for twenty-nine from two in that game, sixty-two percent. Yeah. So that. And, and a lot of those were right at the rim. I think they had ten layups and a, and a dunk. So I mean that you know that was kind of just like a garbage play, but it's still I mean it was that. So I don't know if if there, I think what happens is there are certain possessions in a game where the team looks discombobulated, and I think I know there's a lot of talk about players looking over at the bench, saying what should we do, and they're there and. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that's a trust issue one way or another, you know, in one direction or another, but it, it definitely is not a good look when you feel like they don't know what they're doing at times. Well, I saw it and happen in another, this, I saw it happen in another game this weekend. Exactly what everybody was talking about. Oh, different teams, different teams. I, I saw, yeah. I, I saw a team looking over to their coach repeatedly in the second half of a game. Um, and their coach, controlling every basically every action uh that that happened on offense for about a seven minute stretch right and, and want to so, guess who want to guess who kentucky no god no why would i use kentucky's offense for an example of any well because calipari all he does is try to orchestrate yell at every single thing well yeah no jay Wright. oh when, wow. Bill, when villanova got that game close go back and watch what happened Jay Wright demanded Villanova slow the ball down. He called every play. He called every set. He orchestrated everything from the sidelines, and Villanova pulled back away while he was doing it. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if that's your argument, it, it it's done by others, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem to you know why it doesn't seem to hurt Villanova because they went out and they, they hit make the shots. damn shots. Yeah, I think they went out and they yeah. hit the damn shots. Yeah. Now that's that, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that was something I was thinking about today. Is I was driving home from work. Nice day. I actually got to do some landscaping today. Felt good. I was driving home thinking about it and saying, okay, what are my biggest concerns with UC? And of course, it was half court execution was one. Um, the fact that that there's such a heavy reliance on offensive rebounds to be a portion of your points because that's just a scary thing because you run into teams that box you out well and don't give them to you like UCLA last year or, you know, I mean, Wichita state didn't give up a ton of second chance points and Xavier generally does a good job. And so it's, it's scary to think that, that, you know, when you hear the coach talk, he's like, we need to get more offensive rebounds, but you go around the rest of the country and you're like, every fan base has concerns. There's no fan base sitting there being like, Oh my God, we're in great shape. Like look at Xavier, their, their fan. Some of their fans are going to be like that defense is scary. You, they could, easily lose a game early in that tournament because they can't guard anybody and the team gets hot. I mean, it's, and what if they go cold? I mean, they're, they're, they're any team, even in anyone in the top 10 with you, their fan base has a problem with something. Michigan state, so, it's turnovers. Yeah. Virginia, it's pace. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Or just offense in general and Villanova. It's, we, they just lost to St. John's and, and Providence. Right. Um, Purdue, it's reliance on the three point shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You see, it's not so, alone. I, I just this thing about pace, like, like, I get it in some situations on the road when it's pretty clear that they're trying to grind out road wins. Um, that's his philosophy. You can dislike it, you can like it. Uh, I mean, I just to the point, I, it's going to happen. And, well, and sorry, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, if, if, if you remember, I, I've, I've, I wrote one and then I kind of recycled uh, it, but the Defense Travels article shows 15 or at least, at least 15 wins over ranked teams or really good teams on the road where, the, where the, the main reason you could say is something on the defensive side, whether it was holding a, a pit team without a three on their home floor or forcing a team into a ton of turnovers or holding a team under 30% in the second half or something. I mean, just that, that, is, that has been a formula to success on the road for Cincinnati in the past. Now, the, the counter to that would be some of those teams who are more offensively challenged, you would think, than this team. And so do you still have to do that? That is the that is the whole debate. I guess the feeling is in those games, if you let the home team run up and down, they're going to be much more in a comfort zone in their building, shooting in their building, scoring in their building, performing in their building. So if you make it slower and more physical and tougher on them in their building than they're normally accustomed to, you have a better chance to win because you're right. not going to shoot as well on the road as you do at home. Like that's basically a proven fact over the history of basketball. You shoot better yeah. at home than you do on the road. So it's, so it's, it's really a way that you, you feel like we can try to control this and keep it somewhat reasonable and, and give ourselves a chance. So and the other side of it is if you want to play a little faster or take some quicker shots or get the pace moving or whatever the case is, then if you get into a shootout, you're betting that you're going to lose more often than not. That's what the, I, would, I would think that's what the numbers say because the, the home team is going to shoot better if the talent is even. Okay. Or even maybe a little better sometimes right. yeah. for the home team. Yeah, so it's that's, that's just a philosophy thing. I mean, you see the, the team across town when they go on the road, they – they're not trying to do that, but they've also lost a fair bit of road games. And they're giving up 80, 90 points in a yeah. lot of those games. Yeah. Even though so they win. Yeah. So there's – but they can still win them because they're they're scoring enough. So they, they have that ability. But but I guess if you're, if you're a team that doesn't execute well in the half court, then the, then the other thinking would be why do you want to play a half court game? Now, now that, and that goes back to your other point of sometimes you can't run it because the other team's making a few shots and not turning it over. So – there's just that you can keep going in cycles with it. And, but at the end of the day, really, if you really just break it down, it's make some open shots. They're right there. Teams are daring you to take them. Either you make them and you win or you miss them and you might lose. I'm, I'm going to go just these past two games, but this trend goes back about two and a half weeks now. Jacob Evans against Houston, three of nine from the floor, one of four from three. Now his point totals or excuse me, is this Houston or Wichita State? Hold on. This is Houston, yeah. He scored 16 points and scored um, 18 or 16 points in both games. But under 40% from the floor, 25% from three. And in both of those games, while it looks good, 7 of 10 from the free throw line and 9 of 12 from the free throw line, all three misses in each game were critical at the end of the game. Your best yeah. player has to be your best player. They're forcing, like, Darren Cumberland over the last two games has taken 27 shots. Yeah. 27 I'm not, I'm okay. shots, or 26 shots, sorry. 26 shots. I'm not terribly concerned by that number of shots other than to say he's being forced into a role where he has to be the best player. And I don't like him in that role. I want him to be the third best player. I want Jacob and Gary to be the best players because they've proven, or at least they're in a position to prove, that they're the two best players on this specific team. They need to be better than they have been. It can't be four of ten and one of four, or four of nine and one of four from three. There's two or three different times Evans has had wide open looks and passed them up late in games. Or, yeah, I saw him feed the post with four on the shot clock. Yeah, to times. Trey Scott. Yeah, or, was it Trey Scott? Was well, one was to Gary, but I think one might have been to Nasir. I'm not sure if he threw Nasir. The pass, either but, one, either yeah. one. Four seconds he threw the pass because we yeah. talked about it. Four well, seconds now, on now, the shot clock, and he throws to a guy that can't score. Now, another part about this is that that both Houston and Wichita had the type of inside players that they could 
match up against Gary Clark and Kyle Washington and in order to keep them off of their spots. And yes. they didn't they didn't really need to double like some like most teams. Now, Houston did because they were just like they were trying to trap almost everything anytime, you know, anything in the paint. But and they were they were playing great help side defense in that game. But Wichita really didn't do a whole lot of that. They weren't trying to necessarily get the ball. Like I, I, I remember distinctly remember Gary um, getting the ball in the post and thinking the double team might come, but it never ended up coming. And he drove it in. The, then everybody collapsed on him when he got into the paint. But he wasn't initially doubled. But so I think that that's another factor that that costs UC offensively is they need those two to be able, like Kyle and Gary to be able to put up some good numbers. If you're going to beat a good team, you need those two guys to get you thirty probably. Yeah, I think that's a fair amount to ask of those two combined. And what do and we what, what do we get? Let's see, eleven and six against Wichita, so seventeen, and against Houston. 13 and 10, so 23. So yeah. if so they get these, what you're yeah. talking about, they win both of those games. Right. So there's, so there's, that's another thing. And then that, and that's where you put credit on the defense um, for, for keeping them out of where they want to set up. And, and that's just, it, it's just a bad matchup sometimes when you go up against teams that, that can be physical and keep them out of there. Like Xavier did the same thing to both those guys. They, you know, Gary had a really hard time getting anything around the basket against them and, and so did, Kyle Washington. And both and those guys were fantastic against UCLA, against Mississippi State, against Houston the first game. You know, I think there's really – there's been seven games this year that have been pretty high-level opponents. Um, Mississippi State, I guess you could you could add or drop that however you see fit um, because they're kind of still hanging around the bubble but on the outside looking in. But in those seven games, the, the three games that Kyle and Gary have been very good, Cincinnati has won, the three games that they – or the four games that they've been average or below, the opponent has won. And, and yeah. Jacob, you could toss into that too. Like, the, this team is going to go as those three guys take them. It's they true. have to play better. Yeah. That's – like, everybody th- thinks I don't want to put blame on the coach or whatever. No, it's, it's a player's game. Your best players have to play in big games. They have to play well. Now, if you want to say that's on the coach to put them in position, I'm not going to change your mind on that stance. I don't think they've been in bad position. Um, I just don't think they've overall played well. I think they've allowed some of the physicality to get to them. I think they've allowed the opponent to kind of take them out of of the things that they do well. Um, There are some situations I feel like, yeah, you probably could have used them a little bit differently or uh, maybe used them to, you know, like – and it cracks me up. I hear the talk of this this quote unquote high school weave offense. It's the dribble drive offense designed by John Calipari. It's not a high school weave offense. It's using the beginning of the weave to pick the matchup you want to get that guy to attack the rim. There's design to it. It's not just <coughs> dribbling in a weave like a like a drill for ten seconds. It's getting the matchup you want at the top of the key and allowing the player with the ball to attack that matchup. It, it was actually really successful for Kane Broom against Wichita State. Yeah. Very but, successful. Yeah. But back to what you were just saying, and, and I, I, they definitely have to, those three definitely have to play better and be more efficient and all that stuff. But there does, there still should be some blame on the coaching staff for not countering whatever the defense is doing to take them out of their normal spots. I, I, you know, so, so there is, there's, there's dual blame there because at the end of the day, if a team schemes a certain way against you, you've got to find a way to counter that. And if you can't do that, then yes, well, some of that is on, is on the, whoever decides where the players are supposed to be. Is that, or is that not what they did with the dribble drive? They changed the scheme. Oh, they did completely. Yeah. And yeah. they cut it from 10 down to three or what two whatever now you it's know. yeah and it's good to know it, that was a that was definitely a positive that came out of that game was that they realized that 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 actually could be something that is more effective than they thought i don't know now a decent matchup against wichita because they they at some point they had to have either reeves or fran camp in the yeah. game and really to an extent sham it he's he's not the quickest guy either so that, that if you're playing a team that has perimeter players that aren't that fleet of foot and it, it probably would have worked very well against Xavier. And I think that's probably 
what Arizona State did to him to an extent. I don't know if it was as much of a dribble drive. It was just a it straight was isolation. Like, I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, I mean, either way, you're putting somebody on an island that isn't fast enough to stay in front of whoever that person is. Um, so, so that that at least is, is something that comes out of the game because uh, you. It seemed like that was the at least in the second half that was the best that they could do. The early part of the second half, I think, was trying to really, pound it inside, and it was awful. yeah, and, and it was just turnover after turnover. And they UC was three for five in that first eight minutes, but they had the five turnovers, right? And 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 really in a game where you needed to stay somewhat attached to Wichita because of how good they are offensively, or at least try to take a lead in that early part of the second half, they did the opposite and ended up falling back down by ten. That game was like it just both portions of the first of each half uh uc struggled offensively and wichita state was really good at the beginning of the first half and pretty good the first couple segments of the second half and so that is you know where does the blame lie on that because that was the same thing that happened in the xavier game 21 to 5 they were down to start that game the second half i don't know what the run was but UC had cut it down to 13, and when I was getting ready to leave the arena, I think they were down by like 25 or something. Yeah. So, so th- there's something going into the the first the the beginnings of games and the beginnings of the second halves where at least Wichita State and Xavier has been able to find um, chinks in the armor of Cincinnati's defense. And so I know I heard Nick last night say they needed to ch- probably look at changing up their strategy the next time they play them. Um, this Don't time switch it was, everything. Yeah, this time it was Wichita was got them in a lot of compromising positions, especially f- f- to start the game. Now those two, it, I forget the guy Chris DeBoard, the guy who posted on Twitter. Um, those two, those first two possessions where, for whatever reason, Evans just turned and walked away from Shamit, and Shamit just caught it and drilled a three. I don't. That was tough to explain. And then they, it was miscommunication on kind of a. Not really much of a break. It was like a delayed break, I guess, and they just threw it down for a, a dunk. Um, so you know, I don't know if that's if. See, the other part about it is this. Um, you know, when when you hear about you know, Mick talks a lot about the, the defensive breakdowns, and sometimes maybe it's it's more so like what the opponent, the opposing coach schemes that just that they found a weakness or whatever the case is. And it's not necessarily always just a breakdown. Sometimes it's like a really smart play drawn up or a really smart action or whatever, or, yeah. or it's the, or it's a player like Shamit or somebody on that team Reeves or Frank camp, who's smart enough to adjust to on the fly of, they can survey what's going on and realize, Hey, I can make a play here. And it, it's not necessarily always a defensive breakdown. It's like just taking advantage of certain you know scenarios so it's i think there's i think the blame lies on both sides but it's sometimes you got to just give credit to greg marshall and his staff for a lot of the stuff that they did yesterday on sunday and that they well, just they put on a clinic to against the number two defense on their home floor coming off a loss to be that efficient offensively is very impressive yeah 52.9 percent from the floor 44 percent from three 70 percent from the free throw line it, yeah i mean the bearcats forced them into 15 turnovers which was the, really the one thing that kept UC in the game. Because if, if if Wichita was performing at that clip and they only turned the ball over like seven or eight times, that's a 12, 14, 15-point loss. Yeah. What was the points off turnovers? Cincinnati had 20 points off turnovers. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that was You that cut was that the, in half and it's an ugly game. Yeah. So, if they – so, if – so, to some – you know, to, if you want to pressure the ball and you and – you, if you don't, if you just play, play it safe on defense and try to just beat them in the half court with it, you don't maybe you don't get some of those turnovers, and then yeah, it, it could be even tougher. So well, I would I would if there's one major thing we disagreed with immediately at, at that game was you cannot switch on them, you cannot switch everything with Wichita State because they yeah. are either going to abuse a matchup on the perimeter where you've got a big guarding a wing or a guard. Or they're going to abuse you down low where you've got a guard on Shaq Morris or Richard Kelly or Marcus McDuffie. Or, yeah. you know, that they're going to abuse you in those situations. You 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 aren't going to win those situations. They are they put you in so, they have just so much to deal with. Yeah. They, and and so the the third thing I so I you know, definitely some some blame goes to the players. You gotta make more open shots, especially when they're just 
handing them is saying, go ahead and shoot it and your home arena. Um, That's why teams staff, have beaten them on the road yeah. a couple times. It's because they've made shots. They've, yeah. they've taken those open threes, hit them, and put Wichita State on their heels. You see never in that entire game outside of the one, the middle, was it the middle? Um, the what, second, late in the first half? No, the, well, whenever they took the, the – Oh, the when they were dribble driving them? No, in the, first, in the first half. Oh, okay. In the first – let's see. Well, you see one on a 19-8 to eight run, yeah. I think it was. Middle of seven, the first half. Yeah. And, and, but, but as soon as that happened, what they got up, I think the biggest they got up by was four. Oh, you mean, oh, I'm sorry. The early, oh, when, when Cumberland made that nasty move right before the TV timeout. Yeah. He, he, yeah, and he scored and got fouled. They go up by that, four there. That was really the only time in the entire game that they really – even came close to putting Wichita State on their heels. And by the nine-minute mark, that happened at the – that layup by Cumberland was with 11.59 left. UC goes up by four. Frank Camp hits a jumper, a step back. Evans hits a layup off of – he gets a steal and a layup. They are up by four with 11.15 left in the first half. By the nine-minute mark, Wichita State was back up by five. Yeah, it didn't last long. And then they, they extended it to eight, and then they extended it to 11. So it was Shamit hitting shots. It was it was uh, an X factor, which is crazy to say because he led them in scoring last year, Marcus McDuffie, who had a ball drop right into his lap um, for a putback, which, of course, got him off the schneid right away. And then he, he swishes like a crazy jumper on the baseline and then a three. And he hasn't been shooting well. So they just – yeah, but meanwhile – it was just tough for, for UC to get anything going on their end, and they, they also weren't turning Wichita State over in that portion of the game either. No. So it just – they just – look, man. I, so the third part so the third part about it is, is Wichita State a better team? At least they were on Sunday, I think. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't doubt. think there's any doubt on that. I would say they have the best player. Because they I, just – Shamit proved he's a better player than Jacob Evans in that game. Now – yeah. You know, he did. He did have five. He had five assists, but he had five turnovers. But Jacob had four. Yeah. And, and he, UC did a good job on Shamit in the second half, but they were so worried about him. Other people were able to get going off of that. Right. And but but that's that's the point though is that that team presents more problems than than any team that maybe UC has seen all year on the offensive side. And I, I guess Xavier would. Xavier, I mean, it's yeah. hard to. Xavier's right there too. I mean, it's it's probably apples and oranges between those two, but it, it's just tough to. What do you really try to take away? So that's why I would say I would give the edge to Wichita State against UC because of the fact that they just have way more players that can do more things and are and are just harder to deal with. And and they just it's there's really no one way. I think that the strategy was to not let them get a lot of threes. Right. I mean, that was yeah. really. The the you know that's that was the, Except the game they went plan. Five of nine in the first half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, and and some of them were on switches and things, and some of them were just you know I don't know. I don't that, recall like first any one. of them being really really tough. Where you just no. shake your head. No, I mean Shamit had a, had Kyle Washington on him, and he just faked like he was going to drive, step back, and nailed it. Well, Kyle, that was Kyle one of was them. six feet away from him and never put his hand up. Yeah, you can't give a player of that level six feet of space and no and a clear vision to the rim. Of course, right. he's going to knock it in. Yeah, and that was just the that was that was a, I mean that is I can understand that being a defensive breakdown because you're supposed to run them off the line. But the strategy, whatever the strategy was, was to somehow whatever it was, it ended up with Kyle Washington trying to guard Landry Shamit. So there's blame there too. I don't I don't know. I mean, it just you shouldn't have that. Well, and, and just, my my biggest gripe there was okay. They're taking advantage of the switch and whoever Kyle is guarding. So whoever you know, whoever Kyle is on, they are they are focusing on that. So I understand taking Kyle out because at that point in time he was a defensive liability. But putting Nizier Brooks in doesn't solve the problem. You still have the same problem with Nizier Brooks. Yeah, and, and it, it actually might have been a better move to put in Trayvon Scott or because if Eliel Sasemi. Yeah, but 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 Scott 
is the guy who can guard the perimeter better than any of the other big guys. And we saw it last year in the Marshall game when he got a lot of minutes. I don't know, man. Because I, it, I, they, Ellie might be. <laughs> Ellie did. I mean, he shuts he shut Shamit down in the second half, right in front of us. Yeah. On the perimeter, Shamit tried every move in the book. And Ellie. So yeah. Ellie's yeah. feet. Ellie's feet for a guy that size are ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I, I saw him practice either, yeah. today. They, they were they were doing one on one stuff, um, and and it ended up Justin Jennifer on Ellie, and Justin tried Justin tried three or four different moves on him, and Ellie wasn't going anywhere. Which yeah, which which means that there it's likely that Lel could be your first big off the bench. If Nasir's going to give you nothing really, if he's not going to give you any rebounding, and and he's we saw one play where he. It was a. It was Fran Camp shot a three in the corner on the weak side. Nasir was standing between Shaq Morris and the basket. He did not lay a lay a hand or, or lay any part of his body on Shaq Morris, and the ball was a, a weak side rebound. Shaq Morris got it, and I don't remember what exactly happened from that. I think yeah. they might have gotten a, a bucket or something. But you're you you know, and I don't want to rag on Nasir too much, but if but at least. Lel is going to is has a much better chance of getting you an offensive rebound. Yeah, if that's what is so desired right now. And defensively, if he's going to be able to stay in front of Landry Shaman on the perimeter, then yeah, I mean you you then you can continue to play your switching deal. Um, don't switch but, next time. Yeah, if, I, or if that, I had a recommendation, I'm, don't switch on them next time. Yeah, hedge and recover. Not. Or fight through. That's the what screen. Houston did. Yeah, Houston yeah. hedged and recovered on them. I mean, Houston blitzed. They had they hedged blitzed on a lot of those too. Um, they, they like they took Shamit completely out of the game. The game in, in uh, uh, what do you call H and P and H and P E Arena. Um, they I, I watched them do it. He was so rattled in that game, and there he just couldn't do anything. Is that the worst name for an arena in the country? Health and it's, physical education arena. Yeah, I don't understand it unless they just figured. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, know. What I, I want did health and physical education pay for the naming rights to that arena? <laughs> yeah, like like milk or chicken no, or whatever. Like like, yeah. like like gym teachers across the country united and were like, <laughs> you know, what we need we need we need the naming rights to the Texas Southern Arena. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it, it's it, it's very it, it's 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 tongue twisted me almost every time. I'm saying H and P and E arena, and it's just bad. Right, we, so we have gone a really long time already. I don't quite know how this happens because it feel like feels like we were talking for 15 minutes. Um, I've laid out all my stuff. You've countered with some stuff, but I want to give you the floor on the, some of the other side of things that 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 you see or, or if you haven't brought it up yet, like uh, your counter arguments to the the stuff that I laid out. I I mean I counter with with a fair bit of it. I think I just I. My my thing is is that I'm just concerned that the half court execution is not strong and and I feel like that's a very big key to making runs. Now, it it you look last year at a team like South Carolina who was like one thirtieth in defense and or one thirtieth in offense and third in defense and they made a run, so it's not impossible. Um, it just really depends on who you run into. And so, if if I can sign up right now for Jacob Evans playing like Cindarius Thornwell did last yeah, year in the tournament, that's true. I'm yeah. freaking in. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, you need yeah, you need your dogs to be dogs, and you need the shots to fall. And really, that is what it comes down to. Now, there, I I mean, I, I don't know. When I just step back and look at it, I feel like there's there's a lot of validity to a lot of different things that people said on that message board. Yeah, I I, I can't I can't argue when somebody says that. You know, they see certain things and it's this and I, I've seen this before. And then, you know, and then you say, why didn't they adjust like this to a certain thing? Like there is concern that. And, and, and so half court execution is not necessarily all on the players and making shots. It's also where are they placed? How are they prepared? All that stuff. So it's a it's a dual. Um, I don't I don't I don't know if you want to use the word blame, but responsibility and so either way, whatever they've been doing in the half court is probably not going to be good enough to beat very good teams, especially the ones that are very good offensive teams. And and the counter, if the counter is you need an offensive rebound better, then that worries me because there are teams that are physical up front and they can box out. And if you don't do enough on the on the initial possession to move the defense in, in compromising positions, then it's going to be very hard to offensive rebound with you, especially with your big guys. I mean, you see most of their offensive rebounds yesterday were 
I think Jacob Evans had four or five, and no, I mean, Jacob Evans. Were, Jacob Evans had four. Team had three. And yeah, nobody else had more than one. And Ellie, well, Ellie got fouled on, and he would have grabbed one. Lel. So yeah, how about so, I, maybe the big, most egregious play of the game is they call a a foul on an offensive rebound when Jacob Evans goes up over everybody, gets it, and lays it back in. Yeah, that wasn't fun. That didn't help. That didn't help matters when they were trying to make a, a rally at the what end. It looks but, like a clear three-point play. That's when they put Kyle on the line, and he missed the yeah. front end of the one-on-one, right? Yeah, cause he, and he, he missed it bad because he yeah. he'd been on the bench for 12 minutes. But, yeah, I mean, so so back to – I mean, I just really – I think that there are – there's there's of course there's reasons to be concerned. Um, but there's also, at some point, the team just has to make the shots that are there or else – you can't always rely on defense and offensive rebounding and, and turning teams over. At some point, it has to be put the ball in the hole. And what concerns me about that is that sometimes it feels like it's pulling teeth to get a clean, not necessarily a three, but but anything else inside the arc or inside the paint. It's Sometimes it's hard for them to get – they can't just dial up a set and next thing you know, a guy's got like an easy drive or, or a pass, pass, cut, you know, cross screen layup. Like it just it's 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 just so hard in the half court for them to to score the ball. And so regardless of the defense, um, that's what that's what scares me. But on the other side of that, the defense is still very strong. And I think that the te- that I think that the coaching staff is going to have to tinker with certain pieces on that defense and you've alluded to some of those or certain um, adjustments to how they cover certain things the, but I will also say this I really just think Wichita State's an awesome team I know that they've had some stumbles I, yeah I mean I know they are well, of course offensively but I mean they whatever they did defensively yesterday or Sunday was they still did some effective things because they have that and, and part of defense is getting the rebound. And if they're going to be the fifth best defensive rebounding team in the country, that can make up for the fact that they give up some shots. Yeah, because um, second so, shots are much higher yeah. percentage shots yeah. than first shots. So I just I just think that like what I saw from that team was a damn good team. They have their two underclassmen are, are very, very tough to stop. That is Austin Reeves and Landry Shamit. And then they have six OGs. They have, I mean, they, they, that team is really good. So maybe that team's just better. And no matter what you, how you would have schemed it or whatever the case is, like sometimes you just lose to a better team and maybe that's the case. So I think it just, the, the answer is it's everything. Um, or the answer is make a few more shots. I'd like to make, a I don't few know if that shots. made, I don't know if that, that made any sense. Not really. You, you kind of lost us at the end there. <laughs> Yeah, I know because I think I, because in the past two days and we've talked a bunch of times and I've talked to a lot of people, um, it, it seems like you, you, I'll say, yep, that's that's got to be it. If they change that, it's going to change the results. Um, and really, it just comes down to like, dude, here were some open shots in your home arena and you made thirty percent of them. And if you would have made like thirty eight percent of them, you probably win. Right. That's the part so that frustrates me. Like, yeah, you've got the looks. You've got, you know, this is statistically by far the best shooting team McCronin has had, and they're in a slump right now. And it's a really freaking bad time to go cold from three. Like, is this this could be a long discussion? So I don't even know if I should say this. You want me to just not say it? I mean, I I, I, I know I have to now. You have to, but but the the amount of um. Uh, effort and energy it takes to play all of that pressure defense go really really hard for the offensive rebounds all game that could wear on the legs and maybe over the course of the season it can get to some guys and they that have been playing some big minutes like like think about the Houston game there were some guys that played a lot of minutes in that yeah game. but they hadn't back played three, the two past days two later. games they hadn't played the past two games they had like a week and a half off well, because, I know, I'm just saying, because that, that, UCF that, and 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 SMU were such pushovers, those guys barely yeah. played. Like I don't, but that yeah, I don't, I'm just I don't saying, but that, like that. that. Well, okay, I'm just saying it could have been that the Houston, the toll of the Houston game could have added up to that it was harder to make shots from the outside 
and you know, two two and a half days later. Well, they um, they they let Houston shoot forty eight percent from the floor and forty one percent from three. So uh, I, I'm not so sure their effort on defense was all that great, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you take Rob Gray out of that game, who of course hit a huge shot late, Houston shoots like fifty six percent. Yeah. After Rob Gray went three of thirteen, but hit the big shot and made a couple big free throws. Yeah, which which if you look at that and you look at what Wichita did, then there is that is the concern is that if you're leaning very heavily on defense, that it is it is possible to beat good defense by just jumping up and shooting it and it goes in. And so you should try that. I know that that probably would turn the tide. I, I I'm gonna I'm just gonna go on a limb and say you should try that. They should try shooting it in instead of shooting it out. That's my solution. I mean, really, if you if at the end of the day, it's hard to argue with that. It's, Shoot it it's in. Just a, it's it, we we you can look at a billion different things, but it's just like either you make it or you don't. If and, you miss it, you're probably going to lose. And you know what? Team. My stance would be completely different right here if I felt like they were taking bad shots. If they were if they were being forced into bad shots, but whatever they're running is getting them good looks. Whether you like how it aesthetically looks while they're doing it or not (laughs) you can hate how it's being done but you cannot deny the fact that they're getting good looks and they're missing them i sound like uh jacoby from jalen and jacoby right now yeah you yeah you kind of do that the the (laughs) phrasing right there like flipped me out in my brain um but you're putting yourself in position to make shots and you're missing shots yeah that's and and like the difference in wins and losses against good teams Right. And like Mick said, coaches look a lot smarter when the ball is going in. And he looks so right now he looks pretty dumb because the ball's not going well, in. This is the perfect example, and I'll leave you with this before we go. Everybody in, in talking about these past two games, they point to the beginning of the Houston game and say, Why didn't they do that more? They were three of three from three. Jaron Cumberland made one, Justin Jennifer made two. And that was nine of the nineteen points they scored to open up that game. Right? Yeah. They They only made one more three the rest of the game. They looked real freaking good when those three threes went in, and they were three for three. When they went one for 12 12 the rest of the way, they didn't look as good on offense. Yeah. I'm not the smartest guy. I went to public school in Kentucky. So there's some glaring deficiencies in my education. But I – I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say call more of the shoot the ball in the basket play. Yep. Actually and you know what, Berg? That one three doesn't even freaking count that they made the rest of that game. Yeah, because it was banked so they didn't make any threes basically. Yeah, after that initial stretch where they went up by thirteen on the strength of three for three from three point shooting, they went one zero for eleven the rest of the way. That's why they look like crap on offense. <laughs> I, I'm done. You done? I can't argue with that, man. I, I can't argue with that. Call to make the make I the think, shot. I think we've, I, I, th- I, I think we've gotten to the bottom of the, the issue. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to agree with me because they're very hardened in their stance. But we've, That's looked okay. at, we've looked at the numbers. We've looked at the possessions. We've hashed out all of our differences on this. There's some things I very much agree with you on. There's some things you agree with me on. There's some things we disagree on. We all agree, if you make a couple more open shots, both of these games look different, and we're talking about Cincinnati as a top three team in the country. But they couldn't get it done, and that's on them. That's on the coaching staff. That's on the players. That's on uh, Jaquan Parker and Damar Johnson. (laughs) Yeah. Teach them how to shoot it in, Damar. Yeah. (laughs) Damn it. So that's going to wrap it up. I, I think that was a productive podcast. We didn't talk at all about UConn and Tulsa. I don't um, want to. I don't want to talk about UConn. Tulsa concerns me a little bit. Um, not a ton, but they're a weird team. Uh, just before we – like, they're a team that, that can be in overtime with, with South Florida and then turn around the next game and play Wichita State to the wire. Like, they're a weird team. So you don't know what you're going to get from them, but it's senior day for Gary and Kyle and Jackson Bart. And uh, I, I would not expect Cincinnati to lose that game. So get these yeah. two rolling the next week. You go senior day at Tulane. And then if you go 3-0 and in those games, you get a chance to win the conference outright in the roundhouse. And I'll tell you this right now, just looking ahead, that Tulane game is going to be a very tight sphinctery game for UC fans. 
because that team can shoot the ball in. They've been really bad lately. I, I, I know, know I know they can I know shoot. That. I know they can shoot, and, and everybody knows I, I have liked them quite a bit, um, m- much more than the numbers say I should like them because I like the job Dunleavy's done, and I like a couple of their guys. They have not finished strong so far. That's right. I'm just saying. I just it's a it just one. It feels like one of those games. It's gonna be. You're just not gonna be comfortable the whole time through. You're just gonna want it to be over, and look up the score and see Cincinnati having more points than Tulane. Just yeah. I don't care how it happens. Let's just get to the end of this game. Get on the Cincinnati plane. Cincinnati has more. Fly to Wichita. That is that is gonna be that game. Yeah. I can I can call it right now from a mile away. All right, that's gonna wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. I know all of you hate me right now, but. <laughs> It's just how I see it. Sorry. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the VCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.